got to keep you on your toes. Yes, sir. I appreciate you doing that. That's your fault, Edwin. All right. So um, <coughs> we're talking about, uh, last week we talked about wisdom. The week previously we talked about trials and the difference between uh, tests and uh, temptations. Um, we'll get into that a little more when we get into verse 13 of, of James. But uh, right now we're going to look at wisdom and then we're going to look at this, this issue of doubting. Um, James says that uh, a man who is uh, double-minded is unstable in all his ways. Uh, faith says yes, but unbelief says no. And doubt comes along and says yes one minute and no the next. Uh, and so Peter says that, uh, uh, that you have to be careful because you're much like a wave that's tossed in the sea. I'm not sure that he's thinking, uh, of course, James didn't see this, but, you know, if Peter had an opportunity to walk on water, and as long as he had faith, he was good to go. But as soon as he started to doubt, what happened? He sunk. Yeah. And, and Jesus says, oh, you a little faith, why did you doubt? That's in Matthew chapter 14. Um, many Christians, someone has said that many Christians live like a cork on the waves. One minute they're up and the next minute they're down. They're tossed back and forth. It's uh, the kind of experiences and evidence, if you will, of immaturity. I had a, a friend who went on to become a pastor, and he and I are somewhat connected still, but boy, we haven't been, uh, we used to be, best of friends and we lived in the same area and we did a lot of stuff together, our families, but, but my friend Woody was uh, uh, the most double-minded man when I knew him, uh, when I was close with him for the longest time. And I always wondered how God used him in his ministry uh, because he would be on fire one minute. And the next minute he was as cold as ice. He was up and down. He was almost like a roller coaster. And, um, you know, James uh, is one of those books that, that Luther uh, took a very dim view of. In fact, at one point, he referred to it as, as the straw epistle. Uh, he thought it was, worth, it was, it was only worth for, good enough for kindling to start a fire um, because he thought so much of it was uh, based on works, missing the point, you know, because his emphasis was all on grace and on faith. And that's all that, you know, you were saved by faith, not by works. And, and, and he's, Luther was absolutely correct. And, of course, he tried to promote that within the Catholic Church. They didn't particularly care for that a whole lot. Uh, he ended up, as you know, um, not because he started out to do this, but he ended up creating a, a, a different church called the Lutheran Church today, uh, named after him. Because why? Because the Catholic Church would not reform itself. Well, did, did he not feel that it was supposed to be included in the canon of Scripture? Oh, yeah, he felt that. Just that he was, a, he was not real, real comfortable with some of it. You know, if, if he put it in, he actually put a list of books that he thought were really important. And this was one of the ones he thought should be really in the back because it was not all that important. You know, he included Jude and included uh, uh, some other books like that, minor books that he thought were, uh, Hebrews was another one he wasn't, too happy with, but James was unhappy with, although he liked this verse, verse six, because he says in one of his writings, it's called his instructions for the visitors of the parish pastor. 
Pastors should also instruct their people to, uh, that prayer includes faith that God will hear us. And he thought that, J- that, that James was, was right on target on this one. When a person asks God, he must uh, believe and not doubt. That was his big uh, issue he talked about. And um, <clears throat> so uh, one of the things we're going to look at is we're going to look at a couple of different possibilities of what it means. D- does it bother you? Does it bother you that, that, um, uh, that you have doubts? Does anyone here, and you read this passage, you go, man, I am so in such deep weeds. God is not going to answer my, my prayers because I have doubts, right? And that, and that is, am I the only one that feels that way at times? And they wonder, you know, God, are you going to, you tell me I need to not doubt. I'm trying not to doubt. Do you feel it, Mike? As it goes, hand up. Some of you are nodding your heads. Um, do you do you remember the passage in the, in where Jesus uh, comes down off the mountain? Uh, I believe it's off the mountain of transfiguration. Uh, the uh, his disciples, the ones that were that were left down below the the nine, they're um, they're there and they're going. Uh, we got a problem. We can't heal this guy. You know, he's got his his daughter's got a demon in her, and we can't get him out. And uh, Jesus says, "Well, this is one that takes a lot of prayer and fasting if you're going to get rid of this one." And he says something to the father: "Is if you believe, uh, your your daughter can be healed." You remember what the father says? "I believe." I believe. Yeah. What's and the rest of it? Out. Help thou my unbelief. Yeah. Does that sound like a guy who's wavering, like a guy that's tossed to and fro? Does that make you think, well, how, why in the world did, God, did Jesus decide to heal this guy? Because he's obviously a doubter. But what, why does what about, it depend at all on, on our, our faith or his faith? Well, he says, "Don't ask double. Don't don't be double-minded because if you do, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna get what God you know what you've asked of God. That that's a you know that's a real problem I think that we face. And I, I want to address that because first of all, I think the first thing we need to think about is the fact that double-minded in um, in James' concept, I believe, is is based on a Hebrew idea of people who are double-tongued or double-faced, you'll remember that James, is, if you've read the book of James, and I hope you are, uh, you'll remember that it talks about a fountain that doesn't give both fresh water and salt water, or, you know, brackish water or, or good water. And it refers to the tongue. The tongue shouldn't, you know, be both for blessing and cursing. It ought to just be one. Remember that? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay, yes. so again, double-minded. There's a there are two two streams that are are apparently potentially running through here. In the Hebrew concept, double-minded, double-faced comes out of uh, as an example. Um, uh, Deuteronomy. Uh, I'm going to read a couple of passages, just a quick passages. Deuteronomy 26:16 says, "The Lord your God commands you this day to follow these decrees and carefully observe them with all of your heart and with all of your soul. If you don't, He wants you to be single-minded in what you do." Um, Psalm 11, uh, verse two says, "For look, 
The wicked bends their bows. They send their arrows against the, uh, against the strings to shoot from the shadows at the upright heart. Psalm 12, 2 says, everyone lies to his neighbor. Their flattering lips speak with deception. <laughs> uh, we've experienced some of that, I'm sure, from time to time. But this is the idea. This contrasts so differently from what, what God says to be, to be single-hearted, to be... You know, speaking of someone who, what James is referring to here is someone who's constantly changing their allegiance and cultivates the pantina of faith, but wrongly thinks that mechanical actions is the same as the as as a heart of faith. Um, faith is, is what God, faith in in this particular instance James under, understands that it is that has experienced the character of God who gives freely and generously because of this experience such a man has confidence the way you get confidence is look to the past has God been faithful to you in the past can you see things that you say I can see the hand of God I see how he led me through this difficult time, how this and and the result was positive. The result was ultimately for my good. The all the the, the result brought gr uh, glory to God. If I can trust Him in the past, if if He has been faithful in the past, why can't I not trust Him for the future? For the unknown. I can tell you, Val, that that you know I I thought a lot about this passage and uh, and I believed and that. God was going to heal me. And I, and I, but I also believe that uh, in his will and that healing me may not be in this life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and that, but I, I felt a conviction that he was going to work a miracle. And, and I didn't, I, I, I doubt like everybody else does. And, uh, but I never doubted that God was with me. And I did look, I've looked at back at my life. I mean, back to when I was a, a child and the, the opportunities and the uh, people that God has placed in my life mm -hmm. that have, you know, so blessed me. Mm -hmm. And uh, how can I not think that he's not going to be with me in this? Mm-hmm. 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 I'm, uh, I'm reminded of when, uh, when he talks about the waves and being unstable. Uh, I was, uh, I was in junior high the first time, in fact, the only time I've gone, my parents have gone a number of times. I went to Hawaii and, um, we traveled around three islands. It was one of the longest vacations I think my, my father ever took. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, um, so we're there on Maui, and uh, uh, they're practicing. Uh, they, they were talking about body surfing, and I thought, yeah, hey, it'd be cool to do, you know. And so I was doing it and having a great time. And they told us, now, stay away from this one area because it's got lots of coral and you'll get cut up. And there was actually a guy that they got cut up pretty bad because he got over there and he came in and the waves, wrought, you know, washed him across the uh, – Coral got cut cut up pretty bad, but I remember what I remember most about that particular that one particular day was my my mom. My mom was not one to go out in the, in, in the water a lot, but she decided that she wanted to go out in into the water and the waves. 
And she did. And the waves got a hold of her. And it bounced her up on shore. And it bounced her back out. And it bounced her back up on shore and bounced her back out. And the next thing you know, she's she's yelling for my dad to come get her out of the waves because she was being tossed to and fro in the waves. And every time I read this passage, I think of my mom being bounced up the up the sandy beach and then bounced back down and then bounced <laughs> back up and bounced back down and, and screaming for dad and dad coming out there and pulling her out of the waves to get her up on, on the shore. And I think to myself, that's what, you know, that's kind of the picture that we're talking about here. So let's let's talk about doubt. Is it okay to, to doubt God? Is it okay? I hope so. I hope so. Val, you mentioned that guy that said, uh, "Help, you know, help thou my unbelief." Like, yeah. uh, there's a difference Mark. between doubting God and doubting yourself. Okay. All right. You think that you think I the think he expects it. He expects what? Doubt. To doubt ourselves or to doubt him? Both. Doubting probably. Okay. All right. What else? Any I other thoughts? Think, I always think of uh, when Jesus said, uh, "Ye of little faith." <laughs> yeah. If 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 if, was, if faith the size of a mustard seed could move a mountain. I must. They must use a microscope to find my faith sometimes. I'm you know, wondering if you need a faith meter. Yeah, so well, like like the rest of us, I try to use a shovel <laughs> <laughs> to find it or or to keep it. Well, just to you know, we try to move it ourselves instead of relying uh, on God. Move them on. Okay, you know? gotcha. Yeah, yeah, I use a shovel just because I'm stupid. Well, I, I now, think is, is is faith one of the spiritual gifts? Some people have faith as a gift, and you know, and then other people have different gifts. Okay, all right, that's a that's an interesting way of looking at it. And that there's some there might be some truth to that. Some people have very strong faith, and as such, can do some amazing things and ask God for amazing things, and maybe amazing things happen. But I think sometimes we we want to hide our doubts. Uh, and I don't think that that's necessarily what God intends. Um, you remember David in the Psalms? Remember the Psalms? About 50% are imprecatory or uh, complaining. Psalms about complaints. Why is it that this is happening, God? And and why is it that I I put up with this and you're not taking care of me the way I think you should? <clears throat> Why is it the evil gets ahead, the, the evil people get ahead, and, and, I, and I don't? Um, sometimes psalmists express their anger to, at other human beings, even though he's trying to rein in his emotion and his tongues. He says sometimes, I think, I think God, doubt is one of the uh, things, one of the uh, um, Emotions, I maybe it would be a better way of saying it, that I think is God puts in us. It's okay. Maybe sometimes it's good to doubt people. If you question, you know, it's like, you, do you trust everyone? When I, I can remember one time I was in, uh, I was on a business trip. I was in Miami 
and I was walking back to my room, and this literally happened. I had a guy come up to me in a sport in a, in a suit and open up like this and go, would you like a watch? Do you think I trust that guy? Do you think I had any doubts about whether or not those watches, one, worked, or two, if they did work, maybe they were stolen? Oh, did you need them? I didn't, did I didn't buy any. I, I just you didn't need a watch, right? I said, yeah. I already have one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. He was servicing so, a need. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. my, my mother used to go. To, my brother, my mother used to visit my brother a lot in the city, and he lived in downtown Manhattan. And, and, and she, every every time she came back, she'd have five or six watches. Everybody would get a new watch. <laughs> 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 Don't buy from those guys. <laughs> no, they're so nice though, <laughs> so, <laughs> and they look so good. You know, I do. I still They don't work. <laughs> <laughs> I think I still have a $25 Rolex up in my, up in my. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a rare one. That's rare. <laughs> I, I can't tell you the number of, of t-shirts when I was uh, I'm walking between uh, uh, in Times Square and over to Broadway and back. And there were all these t-shirt sales, especially at night. They looked, they looked awesome at night, but if you yeah. actually bought one and, and watched it, it's looking in the daylight, the colors were totally wrong for the whatever they're trying to sell. <laughs> but uh, the psalmist says in Psalm uh, 39, he says, I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. I will muzzle, put a muzzle on my mouth as long as the wicked are in, in my presence. But when I am silent and still, not even saying anything good, my anguish increased. My heart grew hot within me, and as I meditated, the fire burned. <laughs> anger is something that uh, the psalmist directs not only to people but he also directs to God he also doubts God from time to time you ever think that you know when the psalmist says where's your justice you don't think that they're doubting you know does does God really love me does God is God really a good God is he truly fair by the way have you ever tried to find fairness in scripture <laughs> And if you could find it, would you want God to be fair with you? No. <laughs> Wouldn't be here. That's no. right. <laughs> my, my kids used to tell, you know, sit, come and complain. That's not fair, Dad. I said, well, show me in the Bible where it's fair and we'll be fair. <laughs> <laughs> fair isn't fair. You get grace a lot more than you get fair. Mm-hmm. And God, boy, I want God's grace. I want God's mercy. I don't want God's fairness. So, Val, how many people do you think actually understand the concept of fair and grace? Oh, not a lot. (laughs) Very short list. I think there's a lot about 14 of us that don't understand it. (laughs) At least. (laughs) At least. I'm glad you're including me in that that list. I think you lead in everything, your... DML. <laughs> yeah. I think if you uh, lower your standards, you might feel better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think. Then are you double-minded? Honest human doubt drives us to remember, and I've already said this, but it drives us to remember that God, what God has done in the past, and therefore to remember the steadfast, trustworthy character of God. Psalm seventy-seven. If you want to look at it, that's fine. I'll read it. Psalm 77, verses 7 through 12. It says this in Psalm 77, starting in verse 7. 
will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in his anger withheld his compassion? Selah. Which is a pause, a thought, perhaps a, a musical interlude if this, is, if this is a song. It goes on to say, then I thought, this is what I will appeal. The years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of Yahweh. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. And I will meditate on all your works and consider your mighty deeds. And if I could add to the psalmist's, and then... I will believe. I will trust. There are going to be times that are going to come in your life that you're going to have profound, deep, agonizing sorrow. And it's going to question, it's going to cause you to question God. I can remember my first paid ministry. I thought was an, an abysmal failure. I left that ministry with my tail between my legs. I went off to lick my wounds. I believed that God would never be able to use me in the ministry again. Because it just didn't work out the way I thought it should. Is that the first time you studied James? It was when I was studying James. Oh, yeah. yeah. I taught it, and then I said, I got to live it. I I found a church that I was able to go to, and it was like sitting in the pew, being ministered to one of the staff pastors and, and and the lead pastor, when they preached, I felt like God was pouring cool water all over me and taking the fire away. But it took a while. In fact, I said, people said, well, are you ever going to be back in the ministry? I said, I don't know. It's not like God doesn't know where I live. You know, it's not like I, I went off the grid and he can't find me. If he wants me in ministry, he'll put me in the ministry. It took about two years before I was ready to, try it again and then i went into it backwards i didn't want to go i mean i kind of did but not really and i i put up every roadblock i could think of i i I threw everything at this church that i thought that they would absolutely hate they were a traditional church and i told them we were going to go contemporary i was going to bring in a band a worship band I was going to do all these things if they called me. And I thought that pretty much would cut that. Would, they would say, well, thanks for, you know, we appreciate talking to you, but we're not going to. You know what they said? That sounds great. When can we start? And I'm going, God, that's not fair. <laughs> it's not even funny, you know. But it, I started to remember after being hurt, And after licking my wounds, I started to remember all the things that God had done for me previously. And I started to trust him again. 
I'm not saying I've never been without faith before since that time. I, I have. I have. But I think there's a, a distinction between honest doubt and duplicity. And what we're talking about here is duplicity, a person who's double-minded. Duplicit, duplicity makes claims or states resolve, but it cannot or will not follow through. You ever had people tell you something and then they, they just never get around to it? <coughs> they, 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 might have the, they might have the best intentions, but they can never follow through to their word? Yep. Active doubt, double-minded doubt, can, can range from being extraordinary to being rather mundane. From, from a religious charlatan who masquerades as an honest television preacher to a faithful churchgoer with a heart devoid of compassion. Whenever God's name is invoked to sanction a personal power, personal prejudice, economic stratification, a national political policy, we have the most we have most likely strayed into dangerous territory of people who are double-minded. So, do do any of you ever think that uh, the concept of God is something that man? needs because there's so much that we don't know the answers to and we can't explain and since we love to be able to explain everything you know the things that we can't explain we put to god mm -hmm. so you're saying and, uh, that man created god is that what you're indicating well i mean that is the argument yeah it is yeah, i'm just yeah. asking if I, I think of the gap theory. <laughs> Where's Dan when we need him up? <laughs> Poor guy. It yeah, there's yeah. It's um that's part of the faith issue where things don't happen when we want it, how we want it, because we want it. And yet there's something certainly higher that's putting pieces together that I have no idea. You yeah. don't understand, and yet they work. Yeah, I think I think that it, one of the ways that man uh, attempts to explain the supernatural or the unnatural uh, is to create a god. But I think there's a. I think uh, it was. Um, oh, I'm, I'm trying to tip my tongue, and I can't. I can't. Um, I can't think of the name of the. Of the uh, he was a mathematician and also a, a, a philosopher. He he said that there is a god-sized hole or or a vacuum, a god-sized vacuum in each of our hearts, and uh, that we will try to fill it with something. I think God created us that way with a desire to fill it with something. The question is, do we fill it with the true God? Or do we fill it with a God that we made? Because James, you're right. If we all try to fill it with something, some of us fill it with idols, that, that God-sized hole. And we just keep figuring out that, you know, there's a little chink, a little hole left. We'll just stick something else in there, you know, to fill it up. We're going to worship that. We worship, you know, gods that we've created because we need something to explain what we're going through and, what, and the problems we've got. 
1670, Blase, Pascal. That's it, Pascal. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, remember. I, I could not remember his name. <laughs> but that, that's a heck of a name, Blase. <laughs> yeah. I think he was French, I think. Wasn't he? Was he French? Blase. Yeah. Yeah. Blaise, Blaise Pascal is a French. Yep. 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 What's his middle name there? Uh, I don't know. He's Smoke. Right Smoke. Yeah. Blaise Smoke. <laughs> So the thing that we struggle with is how do we fill that? And James, you're right. And the question is, do we trust the God of the Bible? He's the only God that pursues people. The other guys we create, we create, and we go, we go looking for them. God comes looking for us. How about if we fill it with the Holy Spirit, Val? Well, the Holy Spirit's God. That's okay. Yeah. Because God says that we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, Ephesians equates it to being drunk. Just saying. Now, as far as I know, I've, I've, I, there's only one time I might have been drunk, and I don't know that I was or not, because I was drinking something I didn't realize was spiked until long after that. And I, I, was, I mean, I was guzzling down this punch like there was no tomorrow. My wife and I both, we were at a party and... <laughs> A friend had invited us who was a believer, and, and he came up to me at one point. And he says, you do know what's in that punch. I go, no, this really tastes good, though, you know, as I'm getting my my 16th cup, you know. And he goes, uh, it's like 50%, you know, cranberry juice and 50% white wine. You might want to slow down on that. And my wife and I, you know, driving home the whole night, and we're, we're laughing. We're going, if we had pulled over, how are we going to explain this? Yeah. Not a clue. I have no idea if I was drunk or not, but it was funny. Uh, and it was the, the only time that I, I drank a lot of whatever I drank. Because um, I, I didn't realize it was, it was spiked. You know, at that time, I was, a, I was in a church that didn't believe in, in um, alcoholic beverages being appropriate. So uh, it was before I was actually even in the ministry. So, so, so how do we get, how do we get, faith? How do we get wisdom? How, how do we get what it is that we need? And I think prayer is, is needed because it opens our minds to the wisdom and to the will of God, which is what the scripture reminds us. It often comes as a complete surprise, casting uh, a light and exposing mixed motives at work in our human hearts. And, and James just wants us to have an honest heart that sometimes fails, but is resolved to follow God in spite of our failures. That's what David did. David, David failed God, but did he come back to God? Sure. Yeah, he did. Did he ask for God's forgiveness? Yes. Did he, did he live a life that was, that was good after that? Did he do some good? Yeah, God used him mightily. What about Abraham? Did Abraham ever doubt God? Well, you know, you did promise me, Lord, that I that I my seed, my progenity would be as as many as the stars in heaven or the sands of the sea. I've been waiting for a few years, and I'm in my nineties, and I still don't have a son. I'm not sure. I, I think we have to go to Plan B. God <laughs> didn't work out too well. Now we have this situation in the Middle East: Ishmael and Isaac fighting each other. Still trying to figure out who's who's better. 
Why does God's why do we suffer difficulties? Why does God allow a, a good God allow suffering? That's always why is a good if God is so good, why does he allow suffering? Hmm. That's the one that, that you know used to stump me until I was I was actually I read a book uh from um oh, what's the guy's name? Um Geisler. Guy by the name of Geisler wrote a book, The Root of All Evil, and it, and basically it says the reason that that there's evil in the world, the reason that, that God allows it is because without it we'd be man we'd be uh machines, we'd be robots. Mm-hmm. He has to give us free will. Free will is what causes some of the problems we've got. Yeah. Be nice if we didn't have free will sometimes, but yeah, maybe not so much. Maybe we'd re- maybe we would well, reject. It's, it's like praying for people that have wronged you, but we're led to pray for them regardless. Um, and I always had, pray with the wrong motives. Oh Lord, put coals <laughs> of fire upon their head. <laughs> <laughs> which is what you know which is what Romans talks about except that the idea is that we're supposed to forgive them and treat them in a certain way so they close the fire on their head and you know I just want the close of fire forget that part about me doing anything good for them or forgiving them I don't want to do that I'm gonna have to put that as a sticky note on my mirror <laughs> <laughs> that's why some of you don't have any hair I've been praying for you put coals of fire on it <laughs> <laughs> You know, there's a there's a tension or a balance here, uh, depending on how we look at this. God loves us and forgives us, but he also desires for us to mature and grow. So the tension is, or the balance is, that he's got to allow us the opportunity to grow, but with that comes some pain. Yes. Um, you remember, I, I remember... Um, I was playing varsity ball years and years and years ago in high school. And uh, we had a, a new guy come in who was apparently, I don't know if he just shot up in height that year or what the deal was, but he came in, he was transferred into our school. He played uh, uh, ball with us, but he was constantly on the floor. The boy, he, he kept tripping over his own legs. He had a lot of pain in his legs because he, he was, he'd grown so much. Yeah. Was that Rick? I'm just ah. Ah. <laughs> and, and so sometimes, you know, it, you know, I, I can remember going to the doctor as a teenager and seeing, you know, doc, this, this hurts. And oh, it's just growing pains. Yeah. It's just growing pains. Hmm. Well, can't you do something? Can you do something to stop it? Well, if, if you stopped it. I wouldn't have grown to the height I was. Of course, maybe if I'd stopped it, I wouldn't have been the weight that I am either. But that's a whole other issue. <laughs> so development follows often a hard road that we go down. Uh, it's a road that we have to follow with tenacity and with resolve and with faith that God put us on this road to accomplish something in your life and in my life. And if we truly have a single-hearted devotion towards it, even if we doubt from time to time, it's okay to doubt. It's when we veer off the road that the problem comes. When we decide to turn around and go the other way, 
-hmm. Oh, this is too hard. It's getting too tough to on this road. It's become a washboard. It's become ruts. I, I, I need to just turn around and go the other way. Doesn't James tell us that's when we need to ask for wisdom? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what God wants us to do. Now, I'll tell you this. The wisdom in our world, or the wisdom of our world, is a false witness. It is counterfeit. Mm -hmm. uh, it is uh, bogus. Uh, it is evil, ultimately. Ultimately, it's found in when you weigh it in the balance between what godly wisdom is and, and worldly wisdom is, you'll find that it, it lacks. It lacks, um, as the uh, it, years ago, I can remember uh, political uh, commentators talking about the gravitas of the situation. You know, he doesn't have gravitas. What well, doesn't have weight. And so often, worldly wisdom has no gravitas. Um, David Myers, he wrote a book called Pursuit of Happiness, and he, he uses this book to talk about the world seduces us uh, with its candidates for the keys of happy life. He, he says, he points out, for instance, that increasing wealth does not in any way add to a person's self-perception of joy or happiness. In fact, the level of perceived joy Myers found is essentially the same regardless of age, gender, race, education, location, or even the presence of tragic disability. In some cases, in fact, it talks about that, uh, you know, being wealthy serves to diminish perceived happiness. Hmm. You know, I wonder, Val, about some of the problems that we have, frankly, in this country is because people place their wisdom now in social media and what's on the internet uh, and what people, you know, people spin on facts as opposed to, you know, God's wisdom. Mm -hmm. uh, and you get, you, you go down a rabbit hole and once you get going down that hole, you just, you're on a chase. You know, uh, Rick has mentioned this, uh, I think, in the last time or two we've been here, and I know that I've, I've seen and experienced it myself. I've found that sometimes people who have a whole lot less are a whole lot happier around the world. Yeah, it's amazing. There's a, there's a joy. I, I, I hesitate to use the word happy, but there's a joy in their hearts mm -hmm. that's so different than us mm -hmm. here in America often. I'm in fact, uh, if you want, I'm amazed at some of our young people, maybe our, our millennials or, or Gen Z, who talk about the fact that, uh, you know, there is no, um, you, you know, we've, we've not experienced prosperity. They think that we've not experienced prosperity. I look at, you know, I'm thinking to myself, you need to travel the rest of the world. If you don't know what, pro if you think that we don't have prosperity, because yeah. I've been in parts of the world that are absolutely horrible. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, 
we have our poorest person out here is is richer than most of the average people around the rest of the world. You know, I, I've now I think that the world is is moving into that that that, and they're and they're starting to get fed the same stuff that we're getting fed. I've I've been in India and I've I've seen grass huts, literally grass huts, that have satellite dishes on the hut. <laughs> Dal, there's a there's a picture you may have seen it of uh, when when uh, I think it was during the Clinton administration, but they were showing Hillary Clinton at a homeless shelter and she was dishing out food and they had a, a homeless guy taking her picture and it said uh, something about a six hundred dollar Apple iPhone priceless. <laughs> well, you know we've come phones have become very important, especially to people who are. Uh, who are marginalized uh, when I, you know, almost every, almost every refugee that I ran into when I was in, uh, when I've been in Sicily, Giuseppe could probably speak to this better than I can. They have phones and they use it. They use it for one thing. They use it for as maps to travel. They can get from point A to point B. They have a, if they have a phone, a smartphone, they can, they can contact, their loved ones in another country by text or, you know, WhatsApp or whatever they're using all because they have phones have become almost essential to travel. And yet you think to yourself, Whoa, <laughs> you don't have, you don't have but one pair of clothes that is the clothes you have on your back, but you got a phone. Well, that's what they're talking about. That's why they say Apple's going to take off because they're getting into India now with all these people, they don't have any money. And they said that if Apple can just get 10% of the market in India, it's oh. like some billions of dollars to their bottom line. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's a, was there over a billion people, I think in India. So 10% yeah. would be what class? Yeah. hundred million. hundred thousand. Yeah. Yeah. And China, China's already become like China's a you know, huge market for, for Apple. Yeah. But uh, India is the next big one, and they've apparently they've uh, they've uh, got a business venture with some company over in India mm -hmm. that's gonna where they're manufacturing they're gonna be manufacturing the phones over there, and uh, mm. they're gonna grab a big part of that market. No, Sounds like we need to all go out and buy Apple stock. Well, it's gone up about twenty five percent in the last two weeks. Ooh. Yeah. All right, so James is talking about a, difference to a different kind of wisdom, not worldly wisdom, but a godly wisdom, a different kind of joy, a joy that understands that sacrifice in the present is necessary to attain good and to attain joy uh, in, the, in the future and, and to appreciate and to enjoy the presence of God. Um, boy, if we understood joy, uh, James properly, we'd have to get rid of a lot of our ideas of what joy and happiness is. You know, it's, it's not a new car. It's not a new computer. It's not a new Apple iPhone. It's, it's not, uh, you know, a raise. Uh, it's not, uh, it's not the person that we are dating or our significant other. Joy is found fundamentally beyond self. It's found in 
sensitivity to and humility before God and in service to others. I have a relative right now that is struggling with their self-worth. And part of the problem is with their self-worth is that they are all thinking about themselves and not about anything else. If they actually went out and served others, I think they'd find a, a joy that they, that's missing in their life. But to convince that person of that is hard. It's tough. How are we doing time-wise here? Man. Well, we've gotten through all of... Um, huh. Verse two. Reverse it. We've got through three three verses today or so. That's good, man. Over you I'm saying. I will. I will. I do. I will promise you this. It will move faster as we get a little further into the book. And near the yeah. end of the, near the end of the book. Yeah, near the end of the book. Yeah, we'll be like going downhill, uh, uh, you know, in a race car. You know. <laughs> Which three verses did we do today? Six, seven, and eight. Oh, I was in the twenties. <laughs> see how his faith has grown his faith has grown dramatically <laughs> all right gentlemen we, i must leave you have a great day you too james take, take care, care. James. Right. bye guys be safe rich you have a safe drive in those of you that are traveling to work hopefully the roads aren't too bad Alan, you painting today, bud? You're on. You're mute. You're mute. No, I'm not painting, but I got a truck I got to work on. Well, oh. you go work on that truck, bud. Yeah. Good stay. Have a good day. You too. And I guess we need to close the. Uh, where's the? Stop recording. <laughs>